Are you passionate about making a difference through design? Join us at the Human Centered Design Network's Circle, a new private community for change makers just like you. Connect with like minded professionals, gain exclusive rights to monthly learning opportunities, and lead the change in human centered design. For more information, see thisishcd.com. Now, let's get back into that episode. Hello, my name is Jerry Scullion and welcome to Bringing Design Closer, which is part of the This Is HCD network. I'm a service design practitioner and trainer based in Dublin City, Ireland. Bringing design into organisations is hardly ever straightforward. It always comes with its own unique set of problems. In Bringing Design Closer, the podcast, we discuss with thought leaders around the world what has worked for them in enabling design revolutions to occur. Whilst at the Leading the Product conference in Stockholm recently, I caught up with Roman Pitchler, widely considered to be an expert in agile methodologies and product management. He's a sought-after trainer and is an author of two books, most recently Strategize, a product management book. In this episode, we speak about the role design plays within Agile, often considered to be the silver bullet in enabling transformations to occur. We chat about the roles of product manager and what actually a product owner is in Roman's eyes. It's a great episode for anyone looking to better understand the role of Agile and design. So let's jump straight in. Roman Pitchler, a very warm welcome to bringing design closer. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the, the podcast, on the show. Yeah, and I'm delighted to be here. We're, we're coming live from Stockholm. We're over at Leading the Product Conference. It's fantastic. And I really enjoyed your talk this morning. Thank you. Give us the title of your talk again. A product Strategy Success Factors. Yeah, that rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, there, there was loads to talk about. And I think our listeners would find great value in trying to understand First of all, a little bit more about what you do. We'll come to that in a minute. But we'll talk a bit more about around the roles of product and mm. product manager and specifically and how that intersects with design teams. Mm. So um, let's go back to my first question. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and what you do. So I'm based in the UK, uh, in Buckinghamshire, just outside London. Beautiful part of the world. Oh, it is, yeah. So uh, I'm fortunate enough to uh, uh, live uh, on the Chilterns, so in ah. a few hills, which is uh, nice, nice to pop out uh, and do some cycling or walking and running. So I, um, yeah. yeah. But um, I uh, work as uh, somebody who uh, teaches product people um, and consults organizations, helping them assess uh, their product management capabilities and uh, improve product management. Yeah, nice. I notice you've got you do public trainings and, and private trainings as well. Uh, that's right. Yeah, I run public workshops and then uh, engage with clients to do some consulting and coaching. And you've written two or three books I saw on your website. Uh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, which, which is fantastic. <laughs> One of the things that I really enjoyed this morning was the the product vision board, mm-hmm. and I know there's uh, there's lots of different types of canvases that people use. First of all, tell us a little bit more about uh, where that came from. So Product Vision Board uh, originally emerged from the work that I was doing, I think writing my one of an earlier book, uh, mm. um, Agile Product Management with Scrum. I was very interested in understanding how can we elaborate on the on the notion of a vision or product vision, which used to be at least in the early Scrum uh, literature fairly prominent. Mm. And so that that's where the product vision board originally came from. And um, my initial idea was that a vision should in a way talk about user needs and it should talk about uh, standout features. And I then uh, later once I'd uh, come across uh, Eric Ries' work and, and uh, his mm. work in the lean startup context, realized that actually it would be much smarter to separate vision and product strategy. 
technology and clearly distinguish between the two. And um, I then, in a way, redefined the vision as, as the ultimate purpose, the positive change the product should bring about. And I really like to capture the vision free of any specific solution assumptions. A little bit like a glorified value proposition, a generalized yeah. value proposition. And then have the strategy that in a way is a path towards the vision and recognizing that often, usually there's there's more than one path that leads to the same goal. And, and so that allows then people, allows myself to pivot, to change the strategy, look for a new strategy. Yeah. So, You know, I think the example I was using this morning is an example I like to use in my work. If I if I wanted to develop a product that helps people uh, become more aware of what they eat and how much they eat, then the vision would be healthy eating. Yeah. Then it might be a digital product um, that maybe interacts with the smart scales and um, a smartwatch, or it might be um, writing a book and, and selling a book, or it might be running workshops on mindful eating and yeah. in order to help people improve their eating habits. So, you know, different strategies can lead to the same vision. So, So, um, yeah, so that's a little bit sort of the, the historic background of the, the vision board. Of, of the vision board. How does it differ between a value proposition canvas? Yeah, the value proposition sure that before. Is, a, is a nice tool by Alexander Osterwald. Yeah. And I think what Alexander Osterwald realized uh, once he offered the business model canvas, which is another great structure, another great tool and Absolutely. template, is that business models are ultimately only successful if the value that the product creates for the customers and users is strong enough, is compelling enough. And then he created the value proposition canvas. And from what I remember, it encourages people to look into pains and gains and, and jobs that the product should do for the users. Um, so and then maps it back to potential products. That, that's right, yes. And builds a connection back to the business model canvas, I think. So the product vision board that I offer is, is related, is similar. And in a way, I've asked myself, what is the simplest possible way to capture a vision and capture the related strategy? And I, I feel that the simplest way to break a, a strategy down is to say, well, who are the users and customers? Mm -hmm. What is the, the need or what are the needs that the product should address? And therefore, what is the main problem or primary benefit? What is the primary job to be done uh, that the product should do for the users, customers? What are sort of the standout features? And what are the business goals? Absolutely. And then that can lead on to elaborating the needs in whichever way that is meaningful and helpful. For instance, using jobs to be done theory or using human center design and working with personas and user yeah. goals and you can elaborate the, the business goals by talking about a business model that allows you to generate value for the business and either reusing an existing one or uh, adapting an existing one or possibly yeah. um, investing in creating a brand new one yeah. which sometimes is necessary certainly in the case of disruptive products exactly and what I really like about this one is it's very accessible and the problem I've had with the value proposition canvas and the business model canvas, if you bring it into a low maturity organization, the vernacular and the words that are being used are sometimes very hard for them to grasp. Even though it's only pains and gains, they're like, what is a pain and what is a gain? With yours, you've broken it down into target group needs, product, and the business goals. So it's very accessible, mm. I imagine. It's, it's something that I'm I'm actually going to use. I'll credit you, don't worry. Oh, I, would, nice. I, would, I wouldn't be danger doing that. Uh, no worries. <laughs> which, which is good. So look, it takes us on to another topic around the team structure. And you'd mentioned around product person. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really interesting not to use the word product owner, product manager. And you mentioned we, we need to give credit to um, Rich Moranoff, uh, who also uses who also uses that. That's right. So what's the problem with calling um, product owner and product manager? 
So the reason that I quite like to talk about uh, product people and use the term product person or product professional these days is that I find sometimes the terms product manager and product owner used in a sort of kind of divisive manner. Um, mm. I think there's been a lot of in, uh, misunderstanding in the product management community around, you know, what's the job of a product manager? What's the job of a product owner? Is there a difference? What's the difference? And, you know, different people have different ideas. Different frameworks have stipulated or suggested different solutions. I mean, for me personally, the, the way I've understood the product owner role is always uh, essentially being a product manager in an agile scrum-based context. And that's the way that I've described the, the role. But, you know, some people uh, have strongly disagree with this notion. Mm. And uh, you look at agile, an agile scaling framework like SAFE, for instance, where the product owner role is redefined as, in a way, a very tactical uh, role, somebody who works with the development team and takes care of the, mm. the product backlog. And then a product manager is more uh, a strategic role, more outward-facing. It's a different mindset, it, it sounds. Is, yes, it yeah. is a different mindset, whereas the original idea in Scrum is that one individual, in a way, takes care of the entire product and provides the context for a cross-functional, self-organizing, autonomous, empowered team to own the solution and run with it. Yeah. So a, a different idea, different mindset. I mean, ultimately, I think it shouldn't really matter what we're called, what the title mm. is. I think what should really matter is that we focus on creating value for users and customers, um, allowing people to benefit from an asset, from a product. Yeah. And in that way, have a product focus. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm quite happy if people say I'm a product manager. I'm quite happy if people say I'm a product owner or I'm a product leader or a product champion. I'm a business analyst. I mean, you know. But you're a human Whatever at the works. end of the day. At the end of the day, exactly. We're all human beings and we're all trying to create value for other human beings and hopefully do other human beings some good. You know, that's what it should be about. You distill it it's funny, myself and Adrian Tan did a talk a number of years ago about how product management and service design can coexist. And the takeaway from it was we boiled it down to what skills do we have and what do we need to get the job done which is like at the end of the day, it's like the old crafts and the gills, like, you know, you're good at doing this, you're good at doing that. We're trying to create something here and we're trying to build something together, which is a nice segue into the whole kind of the intersection of, of design and product. Mm -hmm. And I think before we get into that, it'd be good for us to hear what your definition of a product manager is. <laughs> My definition of a product manager is somebody who, uh, similar to what I've already uh, suggested. The product some, owner, yeah. Well, yeah, somebody who creates value for a distinct group of people, users, customers, and somebody who creates value for, for the business or facilitates the value creation for users, customers, and, and the business, and thereby interacts with other with people from uh, various business units and influences them and brings them together and uh, exercises a form of leadership. Yeah. So um, that, that's in a way my definition of what a product manager, product owner, product person should in a way be about. Yeah. So wh where have you seen product and design work really well? Like, you know, in terms of like, what, in terms mm. of structures and, and outputs, mm. like in terms of ownership of design or ownership mm. of product. Talk to us a little bit more about that. My idea of, um, you know, how product and design fit together is that I feel product people should in a way provide the context and enable a self-organizing team um, that ideally consists of 
designers and Mm. and developers and other roles required to create a a product that offers a great user experience and has the right quality. So empower a a group of those people, empower a team and provide that team with the right context to own a solution and run with the solution. So what I commonly see is that product people spoon feed detailed requirements on a continued basis to agile teams and in a way solutionize too much and in a way yeah. dictate the solution and the details of the solution whereas I find it'd be more appropriate it'd be more helpful if product people um, educated the team members about the users about the market about the domain allowed some of the team members to gain direct access to the users maybe take them along carry out some user research together give some of the, the team members the opportunity to listen to user feedback directly and then provide the context by offering an effective strategy and an actionable product roadmap so that the team, the design stroke development team, the cross-functional team can then, as I said, own the solution and run with it and and so empower those individuals and in a way set them free. Yeah. Um, so that that is often some some work and you know some additional work and additional investment that product people have to do, but then you know, it frees you up to to focus on on other pieces of work to uh, maybe do some more discovery work, do some more strategic work, and um, and at the same time, I think it's much more beneficial and it's much more satisfying for the team members if they if they can really run with the product and really really own the solution. Yeah, it's a much more creative way of working. I think the product manager role is seen as like an enabler, like so mm. they're bringing together the UX, they're bringing mm. together, in some instances, service design mm. like components because you could have multiple product managers. What does a good product manager look like in your sense then? So I think one of the the different elements that that help product managers to be successful when it comes to skills and so you know some are around uh, being able to do carry out tactical work some are around being able to carry out strategic pieces of work around product strategy product road mapping but in mm. addition to those um, hard skills i think what's what's really helpful is to develop some leadership and people skills which in my mind is always related to self-development so these are things like cultivating empathy and the ability to empathize with other people, users, customers, but equally development team members and stakeholders and, um, you know, reach out to others in a warm-hearted, kind way. Things like cultivating an open mind um, and attentively listening to others, um, practicing active or, or deep listening um, and taking the time and, and showing a real interest. Um, you know, that not only uh, helps discover underlying needs and interests and, and uh, motives, uh, but also it, it builds rapport and creates yeah. trust. Um, it helps and I think, build that mindset as well. Yes, yeah, and it's the the foundation for collaboration. You can't collaborate if there is no uh, mutual respect and trust. At least, you know, some mutual respect and trust. Otherwise, mm. it's. I think it's impossible to work together effectively. But then maybe also some more uh, concrete skills around, say, decision making. Um, how do you decide together with a group of people? If you want to draw in stakeholders, if you want to collaborate with the, the team, how can you make decisions together without um, resorting to design by committee and brokering a weak compromise and you know creating a product that's a loose loose feature set yes thank you (laughs) yeah that's okay it's all good and you know related to that uh, dealing with conflict creatively um, whenever 
people from different organizations with different perspectives engage. Yeah. There's likely to be some friction and conflict. It's the most natural thing in the world. But how can we uh, deal with conflict in a healthy way? How can we maybe become a little bit more aware of uh, the emotions that are present when somebody does something or says something that we don't disagree with or when yeah. we work with an individual we don't particularly like? Hmm. So those, I think, are, are very uh, important soft skills that complement the hard skills and in a way bring them to life or um, and then uh, allow product people to to succeed. I've been doing this exercise on one of my courses, my product owner course now for a number of years, where on the first day after lunch, I asked people to imagine that they um, doing an interview and uh, asked to hire uh, new product people, new product owners. And I asked them, so what would be the critical qualities, the critical traits that you'd be looking for? And, you know, it consistently people come up with the soft skills that I've just mentioned. Yeah. Um, and I think as a community, we tend to recognize that it's those leadership skills, those people skills, those soft skills that are truly important for us to succeed but funny enough there's been very little emphasis on you know this type of skills development um, in product management we've very much focused on hard skills we've very much focused on tools templates and specific techniques including myself (laughs) it's all about the method yes in in many sense just going right back to some of the things that you said there around um, conflict and culture and and setting that mindset up for your team how does the product manager role work within the organizational culture context when there's multiple product managers? Mm. Like, I'm not answering your question here, but I am a little bit. Dr. John Curran, on, on, when I interviewed him ages ago, and he's now since joined with Ethnopod on, on, on the show, he spoke about the subcultures within mm. an organization. And, you know, who's responsible for that? Um, if there's toxicity in the team and there's toxicity mm. within your tribes, Who's responsible for fixing those things? Mm. Well, I think to a certain extent, it's the job of everyone. Um, I think product people by definition are influencers. And so, you know, as product people, we have an influence on on others. So yeah. we, we connect with people from various business units and the team, the development team, in order to uh, create and provide and offer um, a product or, or a service for that matter. And so by interacting with individuals, I think, you know, there's an opportunity to be, in a way, a role model and behave in ways that we'd like um, others to behave and, Mm. you know, act in a way that we think is is helpful and is is wholesome and skillful and is, is in a way, ethical um, and conducive to collaborative work. Now, if you have a team that is, in a way... um, held back by conflict and finds it difficult to really um, uh, resolve the conflict, then in an, certainly in an agile setting, there should be a qualified scrum master or agile coach who can help the team. And similarly, if there are ongoing issues between uh, the product person and the team, again, there should be an agile coach or scrum master who can who recognizes that and brings that to people's attention and maybe can uh, suggest ways forward. Again, you know, if, if as the product person you experience conflict conflict with some of the stakeholders, then I think it's important to recognize that and uh, look into ways how you can address the conflict in a healthy and constructive manner. I mean, mm. there are certain unhealthy ways of how we engage in conflict. You know, it's like being um, kind of aggressive and confrontative and trying to win or being passive aggressive or it's trying... to behind people's backs and stuff. Uh, possibly, yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, being quite, uh, in a way, confrontative and trying to win or trying to back away from conflict, avoiding conflict or giving in and appeasing somebody who seems to be more uh, powerful or more aggressive so you know just sort of to minimize any any losses and and that sort of conflict behavior which i find quite common you know including when i look at how how i personally deal with conflict always operates from a 
from a win-lose perspective and it always operates from the idea that you know somebody's right somebody's wrong and most likely i'm right and my intentions are good but the other person's intention most likely aren't quite so good and yeah i I judge and i blame and the blame is on you it's your fault absolutely that is not a constructive way to deal with conflict so recognizing that and recognizing what is going on i think is the first step to to deal with conflict more creatively Mm. and in many ways i feel that product people should be ideally placed to resolve conflict skillfully because ultimately I think it's about becoming aware of our own emotions, what's happening for us, you know, what is our story, what are our observations, um, and then what emotions are present for us, but equally what's happening for the other person, what's, what are their observations, what is their story, and what emotions are present for them, and why are those emotions present, what are the underlying needs and interests, yeah. what's driving those emotions, and you know, being willing to, in a way, do some, some research here, I'm, I'm tempted to say user research, and listen with interest to the other person, even if it's difficult, even if you dislike what the person is saying or you dislike the, the individual full stopper and then understand, okay, how can we move things together? What is a, a helpful request for me and what what might help the other person? I think too often, again, we're sort of focusing on positions. We're sort of staying at the surface. We're yeah. focusing on who's right, who's wrong. And I think that way, you know, you can't really resolve conflict constructively. And if you then try and negotiate a, a weak compromise, mm. the conflict is likely to resolve surface sooner or later yeah so i think it's really about going deeper about admitting that we're we're human beings as human beings we're we're, we're complex sentient well beings and um, we have emotions and uh, you know and we have underlying needs and figuring out what are those and how can we address them in a in a a helpful way absolutely all right so roman we're coming towards the end of the conversation and we always end the conversations with with three questions the three questions from hell is what i used to call it (laughs) but they're not so much hellish anymore first question is what is the one industry thing that you wish you were able to banish um, yeah certainly when it comes to design uh, dark design patterns and uh, making users in a way addicted to products yeah. so encouraging uh, addictive unhealthy user behavior yeah so ethical considerations yes and absolutely yeah second thing is what is the one professional skill you wish you were better at oh my my personal skills my people skills yeah well they're pretty good so far oh thank you <laughs> So managing people on a day-to-day Yeah, managing basis. people, managing myself. You know, I, I find conflict a, a very, very interesting topic. Um, there's a there's an old Beastie Boys uh, song uh, that says, um, you know, never know that self that much at all. And until your back's against the wall, you never know yourself that much at all. So I feel that when we're in situations where we're uncomfortable, where we're starting to get tense, it's a great opportunity mm. to self-reflect and ask, why is that? You know, what's happening here? So, I think that's true for everyone. That's true for everyone, yes. Yeah. yeah. And the last question is, what advice would you give to emerging design or product management talent for the future? That's a very good question. And um, I find it hard to give a, a snappy, concise answer to this. Um, so for me, being a good product manager is really about uh, being open to development. And I really like Carol Dweck's mind around growth mindset and in a way, uh, keeping an open mind and, and having a, a can-do attitude in the sense that with the right effort and with reflected effort, we can all be good at a variety of skills. Mm. And so... Um, 
I started to uh, play the saxophone again after taking a break f- from it for over 20 years. And I find it fascinating uh, researching uh, or learning some facts about famous saxophonists like Charlie Parker, for instance, mm. who um, you know apparently practiced uh, for like up to 15 hours at times wow. a day yeah. playing the saxophone. And so there's a reason why he was that good. Yeah. Because you put in so much effort. Now I'm not encouraging any anybody to <laughs> excessively work or, or yeah, work or candle. work super hard. Exactly. I think it's important to try and uh, follow a sustainable pace and have a healthy way of working. Hmm. But at the end of the day, if we're not willing to um, put some effort in and and reflect on what works well and what hasn't worked well, then we can't expect that our skills will improve. Yeah. And so that, to a certain extent, is part and parcel of what I find of the growth mindset. But I'm not saying I can't do. It, but I can't do it yet and mm. with the right practice and the right environment and with some patience and perseverance then I'll be able to do it so I think that's maybe my tip for a young uh, product or design professional Excellent Roman thank you so much for your time It was a pleasure thank you So there you have it. Thanks for listening to Bringing Design Closer. If you want to learn more about the other shows on the This Is Hate CD network, feel free to visit thisishcd.com, where you can also sign up to our newsletter or join our Slack channel where you can connect with other human-centered design practitioners around the world. Thanks for listening and see you next time. <laughs>